0: Hey friends, Dr. Rob here. I'm CEO of Leader Tribe and I have a couple other businesses, but that's not important. What's really important is my heart to see leaders do better. And my heart's nothing compared to my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas and his Leadership is Changing podcast. Check it out. You'll love it.
1: through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then it can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name's Dr. Rob McClelland, and Dr. Rob is an international recognized expert in business strategy and organizational alignment. Dr. Rob serves as an M&A advisor to private companies. His work includes both buy-side and sales-side transactions with the expertise in leading turnaround companies. He served as the president and CEO of a multinational organization with hospitals, schools, and clinics on five continents. He was then recruited by John Maxwell to lead the largest leadership development organization in the world. He has an organization called Leadertribe.com and is the podcast host of Your Daily Dose of Growth with uh, about 700 episodes, which is a fantastic uh, achievement. Dr. Rob holds three degrees, including a PhD in organisational leadership and a master's degree with an emphasis in personal leadership. He served as the Dean of Nyack University on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and has been rated the most popular professor several times, including at Regent University's top-tier B school. He has spoken at major global conferences and universities, including as plenary speaker for the World Health Organization. Dr. Rob is passionate about helping fellow business owners understand how to proactively plan and execute the M&A process successfully. His goal is to see business owners receive optimal value at their time of exit, and when he's not working, Dr. Rob enjoys his family, especially the grandkids, speaking at marketplace events and serving as a trust advisor on corporate boards. Dr. Rob, hey, a massive welcome to you to the show today.
0: You know what? Uh, every time I hear that introduction, I think either, wow, he's had a lot of opportunities or this guy can't hold down a job. And uh, <laughs> But it is great to be with you. I am as passionate about leadership as you are, Dennis. And so thank you so much for having me on.
1: Uh, it's a real pleasure. Look, I've given that introduction about you. Is there anything else about your background that you might want to, to tell us?
0: Well, most people are shocked to find out that uh, I grew up in an extremely poor family. We were on welfare. We were in government housing in a small community in uh, Northern California. I never met my dad. My mom was an alcoholic who would go to the bars and come home with a different guy every night, and I didn't ever think we had it bad. That was just my reality. Uh, Where we lived in the community, there were no rich people, and that was just kind of how life was. As a result of that, when I started getting some of these opportunities, I've been grateful right from the very beginning. And now it's a privilege to start giving those opportunities to other people who came out of rough backgrounds. And I love doing it.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And you know, to see what you've done as well around the podcast that you have, 700 episodes, that whole journey of doing that, it's been fantastic. And would you say that you've done that by yourself? Or have you had a team around you? How have you got to 700 episodes?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. What a great question. I tried to do it by myself for about a year, but I always found excuses or other things. I I certainly had enough money to buy what I needed to buy. So I thought, well, if I buy one more course, if I do one more thing and uh, and I just was putting it off. Finally, I started hiring with a, a virtual assistant and we've built our team out from there. In my various businesses, uh, just the personal businesses, I have about 30 employees now and they crush it and they keep me accountable
1: every day. It's interesting how we can buy as many courses, we can go to as many workshops, we can do as many things as we like, but if we don't put it into action, execution, and get on with it, it's never going to happen. And uh, that's just a, a prime example.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so true. We teach that to others. But I think the reason we're so passionate about it is because we've failed there in our own past. And that yep. allows us to catapult forward now.
1: Excellent. So how did you get into into leadership?
0: Yeah, great question, especially with my background. I think that it was probably with sports in the beginning. So mm-hmm. I had that rough background, but I was always a fairly athletic kid and, and kind of smart. I didn't have to study is hard to get good grades. And so that gave me extra time to go to all the practices. And I had some really good coaches, some people who would kick my rear for me, wouldn't let me get away with anything. And they cared about me growing as a young man, not just about being a good athlete uh, that would help Mm. the team in some way. And seeing their leadership, I thought, oh my goodness. I think there was this heart cry for me of, Man, whoever their kids are, the luckiest person in the world to have a dad or someone like that who would, you know, put some boundaries out there and care for them. Uh, but I saw good leadership even from my high school coaches, and I thought I want to be more like that.
1: Yeah, excellent. And you know, even if you think about your background as well, you're saying about you didn't get to know your dad and and so forth, and then seeing kids like that. But I think where, where I see all of that is the fact that you know we have some role models in front of us and and other ones that really sort of set us up for things. And that could be the role models from a positive perspective, but also from a negative perspective. And, and those experiences actually help us set up for, for things as well. Talking about role models, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? If I went for all time, then
0: 100% sure it is uh, Jesus. I know that he's the greatest leader of all time. And uh, I think that was because he didn't judge people, but he still loved them enough to tell them the truth. So here we have this guy who never ventured more than a hundred miles from his hometown. There was no social media. He changed the globe more than anyone else ever have. And so that those two foundations of love and truth are very, very powerful. And that's why those are the two foundations of my executive coaching business today. Will I love them enough to say something? And as a result of that, you know, you say, well, what year is it? 2021, based on what? Well, that goes back in history to this guy who lived in the Middle East, who cared about people and would tell them the truth and it changed the world. So that's in history, probably modern day. Lots that I could name, two that come to mind right off. Jamie Dimon, the head of Chase Banks. I really like him and you don't hear him mention much, but he's a guy who came out and said, hey, Bitcoin's a fraud, don't go there. And then all of a sudden, a year later, he's like, I was 100% wrong, here's why. We are going to start embracing this and this was my mistake and I held us back from doing better sooner. He was also very transparent and forthcoming about his some medical conditions he had. And so I love that kind of transparency, vulnerability. I think we need more of that in our leadership. And again, I can name a lot. One of those, one of my business partners, a guy named Hans Struzina. And Hans was a, a US Olympic athlete. So top of his game, right? In the last Olympics, he was rowing for the United States, favorite to win the gold medal, goes to Brazil and he comes in fourth place and misses a medal huge huge personal failure and so he comes back well you know what he has done is he has said man that hurt so bad what did i learn about myself and what have i learned about others and how can i help people to shift their mindset when they go through failure and i i just think this guy is such a stud i love the dude and so people like that are all over if you'll open your eyes and look for them you have uh, heroes all over and i i enjoy just being part of their lives when I have that opportunity.
1: Yeah, what an awesome I mean, it must have been very very hard for him. But what an awesome platform to learn, to move on and and learn from our failures, to come back stronger, to come back a more effective later leader. And just to move that mindset shift is, is amazing.
0: Yeah, his podcast is killing it where he talks about mindset shift all the time. And yeah. So, yeah, he's a great guy.
1: Excellent. Hey, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I say that title, what does that mean for you?
0: Well, certainly, I know that that is more true than ever. Because if you think of it this way, the entire world is changing right now, faster today than it ever has in history. And it will never change this slowly again. So Mm. just that fact If you add to that how different millennials are from baby boomers, and that's one of the areas in my coaching practice, I I help my clients understand that and crush it in that area. Those are skills that you have to have today as a leader that you didn't have to have during the top-down leadership of the past. And so leadership is changing every single day. We're never going to stay up with all the technologies, but if we can lead with caring about the other person, telling them the truth and making good decisions, we're going to win.
1: Excellent. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, with the change and everything, your business, your industry, has that changed and has that what sort of demands has that put on you or the team?
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, I'll talk about a couple of different areas in mergers and acquisitions. The one with the most knowledge usually wins. And so think about this. There is a business buyer who's been hired to come talk to you as a business owner. This guy's bought 30 companies in the last year. This is the first time you've ever sold one company. Who's going to win in that transaction? And so that's all that we do is help business owners understand what's actually going on here and be able to turn the table so that they can get maximum value for their business when they go to sell it. And so our company has uh, helped more business owners sell their businesses than any other company in the US and Canada 10 years in a row and they've done it with integrity. And it's because we, we put that business owner first and it's just a knowledge exchange. And then a lot of those people will say, well, could we end up working with you guys? And th- then if it's a good fit and they qualify, we would take a look at that. But we always lead with giving them all the tools they're gonna need, whether they need us or not. And so it builds that kind of trust. So that's mergers and acquisitions. You gotta have the knowledge and uh, that, that has changed the way that business is done in the last 10 years. My little podcast production company, StreamlinePodcast.com. If you want to keep great talent there, you have to care about your employees in a way that they actually know it. Because our employees, they're talented. They could get paid more somewhere else, but they will not leave us because they know that they are loved, they are trusted. Every other week, all employees get paid to show up and we do a training session, which is sort of... MBA level classes, but broken down to about a um, sophomore in high school level on the differences between revenue and cash flow and profit and how to start your own business and how to improve as a person. We do all of that. We don't have to do any of that, but we do it because we actually really do love and care for our employees. And I'm working on a project now where I wanna make that available to a million people overseas who have employees who work for Western companies just because I want people to care and love for their team members. And then uh, in my executive coaching practice, this was my PhD dissertation, by the way, was in executive coaching. It was only the 11th one ever done at the time. And what I've discovered there, how it has to change, leadership is changing, is before if people needed help, you'd think in terms of mentoring or of counseling. But that doesn't help people who are already excelling to go to the next level. Those are all remedial in some sense of getting them back to normal or getting them to be good, but it doesn't help them explore becoming the best of the best of the best. How do they do that? And usually those are all mental barriers and limitations they placed on themselves. They just don't realize it. And so to me, well, I know this. I, I know the research it's called upper echelon theory is, is, is part of it. The higher you go in an organization, the less you get true feedback from those around you. So if you're the CEO of an organization, you have all these people kissing your rear at the VP level and right below that because they wanna keep their job and they're telling you how great they are instead of telling you the truth. And so where are those types of leaders gonna get the truth? And I think executive coaching is this new opportunity for somebody to come in and tell them the truth and work with their teams in a way that they can uh, absorb it and actually make some real changes. And so leadership is changing in that way. The way that we have to recognize there are ways to get to people and care for people. It doesn't matter what level they're at. And it's no more just top down, do what I say.
1: Yep. And um, they are human beings is the way I look at it as well. I mean, they're up there, they're, they're struggling and they're going through things. It's just a scale thing, right? Of course, they, you know some of them have got bigger organizations and so forth. But at the end of the day, they're a mum, a dad. A brother or sister husband wife absolutely and, true yeah and or partner and they, they struggle with the fact that uh, they go through daily things and they need to have that coach beside them that 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 person That's
0: well i wish more leaders were like you dennis and actually realize that because they have the same insecurities mm. and failures we do they're just not allowed to show it as readily as uh, people who aren't at that level but if they get somebody like you and come into their lives, walk with them, coach them through things, and there's a trust relationship there, do you know how valuable that is to them? I mean, it's just incredible to see their life change at that level.
1: Yeah, and, and Rob, the the thing that I picked up from what you said before was the fact that you know we are vulnerable or transparent, and well, we need to be more so as a, as a leader. And a lot of people are saying that in the world, especially the last year or two, that I've seen that they want that transparent and more vulnerable leader. And they're not getting, and that's what they need. And so it's getting louder and louder and louder that that voice of, "Hey, we want you to be that transparent and vulnerable leader." And if you don't wake up to it, huh, you're going to be left behind, and uh, you're going to have some problems on your hands for sure. Hey, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what what would that be? What
0: an insightful question. I think. The one thing I would change is that businesses cared about their clients needs more than they cared about making money. And trust me, I know in business, listen very carefully, you and all the listeners out there, cash is to a business as oxygen is to the body. Okay. And so I'm all about making a profit But what I want to do is if you care more about them and you find out what their true needs are and how you might meet those needs. Actually, I learned from an Aussie. He said, Rob, uh, what you're saying is we need to fall more in love with our business, with our clients' problems than they are. So what's my client's biggest problem? I am going to fall in love with that problem until I come up with a solution to help them with it. And uh, it was brilliant. That was a guy who worked with uh, Opportunity International in, out of the Australia office. And so Patrick Lincioni really helped me see this in one of his books uh, called Getting Naked, which I really bought just for the title so I could lay it down on the seat on the airplane and have people comment on it. I'd usually have my Bible and Getting Naked right there, and that, they'd say, That's quite a combination, you know. But in in his, uh, he talks about vulnerability, telling them the truth. And when you do that, your clients will throw money at you because they know you care. But if they think you're just after their money, then they'll be very guarded and reserved. And so, yeah, if businesses would actually care more about their customers, not just making money, I think that that would be an incredible change in our world today.
1: Yep. Okay. And I think even from a leadership perspective, we care more about things um, that's going to be really important. And it's probably going to lead us nicely into this next question because, you see, before you talked about teams and what you're doing for your your teams and so forth, has employees' expectations of leaders changed?
0: You know, it definitely has. and, And you said it really well when you talk about this growing crescendo of noises from people saying we need more vulnerability. We need to know that you're real. But I found, Dennis, to just be perfectly straight on this. A lot of that depends on the employee. I'm guessing 70 to 80% of younger workers out there, they don't want a career, they just want a job. And and it's almost like, tell me what to do and I'll do it and then you pay me and we're not gonna worry about this. And you're just like, oh my goodness, you're missing out on life and developing as a person and bringing your best to the table and learning how to grow. And so for those 70 or 80%, If we, some of them can be salvaged, I guess in my mind, and you can help them to really care because I want them to be successful in life when they leave my company or other companies. I think, but those other 20%, those are what you and I would know as sort of the overachievers. Those are the ones who are, if somebody will just give me a chance and I want to be the one to give them the chance. Here's the problem. Uh, My wife's favorite quote in the world is this. Most people miss opportunity, because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. And so if you're willing to put in the hard work Mm -hmm. and grow as a person, those are the employees' expectations that there'll be an opportunity for them to grow if they are growing. Again, they always want an opportunity to get a raise, but uh, the ones who really want to do it right, there's this expectation that somebody will care for them out there. And if you can meet that expectation, you're going to win. I have a saying. I've taught every one of my business partners this. And that is, I hire nines and tens. And if somebody's at 8.5 and they've got 30 years of good people skills and customer service, I will give them to my competitors because I hire nines and tens. And when you hire great people, they could get more money somewhere else. Why would they stick with you? And I saw the Harvard Business Review research on this. And it says, if they're in a place that they believe there are other nines and tens, and they believe that they're all pulling together in one direction, then they will stay and you don't have to pay them as much. And so if you're a nine or 10 out there, don't worry. There's not many of us who understand that. We'll still pay you a lot. <laughs> but at the, yeah, but you, uh, you get the very best people and you surround them with other great people in your business. You can't, they, they're not going to let you fail. I mean, I make poor decisions all the time and they save me.
1: No, nice. Tell me something, just for our listeners, nines and tens. When you say that, what what do we mean by nines and tens?
0: I'm, I'm talking about somebody, will they show up and be engaged? It was the research that came out about two years ago that says there's three groups of employees. The largest group is what they just call unengaged. What that means is they'll come in, they'll do their job, they'll go home. The shocker in that is one third of the employees, especially in the younger group, and this is no slam on millennials. I love millennials. I hire them all the time for my companies. I love them. But 33% of them are what they call actively disengaged. They're the ones that as soon as the boss Mm. walks away, they're on social media tearing down the company and saying, bunch of idiots around here. These people don't get it. And and, and it's funny they're still expecting to get a paycheck. I don't get that, but they have about twenty percent of your employees who are engaged. That means they're showing up and they want to very they want to have the opportunity to bring their best to work every day. We just think about if you had a company and it's not twenty percent. What if that's ninety percent? You're going to win. I mean, if, if any business that you and I went out and started together, Dennis. We can go hire MBAs or people who are like us who have had some opportunities around the world. And and that's not going to matter because anyone can hire smart people. What's going to win is can you have healthy conflict? Can you love each other? Can you tell each other the truth? Can you all pull together in that direction? That's the team that won't be beat. And so for me, a nine or a 10 is that person who's actively engaged. They want to show up. They want to bring their very best to work every day. And when they do, they really want the opportunity to grow. I will hire those people all day long.
1: Excellent. Yeah, fantastic. And, you know, I, I see as well, uh, we are look at millennials and so forth. Fantastic. And they're hungry. There are some yes, that are really yes, hungry. Absolutely. They want to learn, right? Mm-hmm. And if they don't learn and you're not giving it to them, well, they're going to vote with their feet. They're going to they're off. Mm-hmm. They're off to go somewhere else. And so, yeah, make sure we look after them and, and, and help develop them, which is great. Hey, you know how... I'm sure the listeners are sitting here going, "This is fantastic!" and 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 tell me more. And so, Doctor Rob, you know what what would you, what would make a leader? If you were to say something and to help them, they're probably thinking, "What's the secret sauce here? What's the thing? What makes a leader successful in today's fast paced, ever changing world?"
0: For sure, first answer, top of my head, top of my heart, it's it's staying centered on your core values it, with all of the changes and all the things that are happening. Do I know who I am, and do I? not try to pretend to be somebody else, but bring that person the best, and then say, I'm gonna do my very best, but here's things I will never compromise. And I've always had three areas where uh, my core values, every company I'm in, we have a little story about each one, integrity, trust, and servant leadership. And uh, I don't care if you mess up on any other area, you mess up in one of those areas, I'm sorry, there's not gonna be a position for you. And so most people try to have 20 core values. You Hmm. can't pick one or two, define them radically. And if people will commit to those, you don't have to worry about the other ones. And so integrity, I say, if we tell a client or anyone else that we will show up somewhere, then we will either be there on time or when they find our bodies, it will be pointed in their direction. But we will never tell someone we're going to do something and then not do it. Now, sometimes life happens and you can't, but you, they're the first person you're calling. You're not making an excuse. You're telling me exactly what happened, saying, I'm going to make this right. So integrity is number one. Number two is trust. I don't think there's enough trust today. Everyone says, we well, have to earn trust. I don't agree. My employees, I let them know right up front, we choose to trust you the first day. Now, you could prove that you were not trustworthy and that's not gonna go well for you. But around here, you don't have Mm -hmm. to earn our trust. We're going to trust you, but you can lose our trust. Don't do that. Be a trustworthy person. And the last one is servant leadership and our little story on that. If somebody in the office drops a pen, I want people, I want it to be the NBA finals bodies diving on the floor to get that pen for them helping them we don't just have servant leadership to our clients we model it for each other every single day if somebody needs to move a desk i want doors flying open and people out there helping them do it and if we can truly serve each other then we will do that for the clients really quick one small story on that we said how can we serve our clients better And it was one of our assistants, a secretary, and all of our secretaries were empowered to make any decision they wanted for any reason, up to $500 to solve a problem without even telling us about it. I mean, so I believe in that clarity and empowerment thing. But one of them said, hey, when people show up at our office and it's a rainy day and we know they're coming in, how about somebody's at the front door, as soon as they're pulling in, we go out and we meet them in the parking lot with an umbrella. And we started doing that and people are like, what are you doing? And we just said, loving our clients, how's your day going? And so I would have never thought of that. It became this incredible culture in our office. How can we serve each other? And so I think if you nail those three things, that there's truly integrity, you'll trust each other, and you'll serve each other, you're going to win.
1: Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Just imagine being greeted by an umbrella, somebody out there who's willing to help you when it's raining, team. Uh, listeners, it's fantastic to hear that. So three things, integrity, trust, and servant leadership is going to put you into a good position to help you be successful as a leader in this fast-paced, ever-changing world.
0: Absolutely true.
1: So Dr. Rob, here it is. Here's the question. The question is, if we think about the future, and get your crystal ball out here, and uh, we start mm-hmm. talking about things, where do you see leadership being in five years?
0: Certainly with AI coming in, and uh, opportunities that businesses can make money by automating every process, that uh, that's going to be more and more a part of our lives. In some ways, I like that. I can get in, do something fast. I don't have to talk to anybody, accomplish what I need and get out. However, I believe that if we're not careful, as a result of that, leaders are going to start relying on that more than on the caring, more than on the finding out what's really going on in people's lives. And I think that we're going to be in trouble in five years if we've taken out that human element. And so how do you keep that in and still make money? Well, then that comes right back to if you're adding way more value. I was talking with somebody about that this, this morning. I was doing some coaching for one of our younger employees. And I said, it seems like you feel guilty if something costs us $5 and we sell it for 20 that you think, well, no, that, we shouldn't do that. We, that. And I said, let's talk about that. And I talked about if I buy something for $5 or I can provide a service and it costs me $5 and I sell it to someone for $20 and they believe it is worth $40, they're sitting there going, I can't believe that you do this so inexpensively. How do you stay in business? And at the same time, if... We are at the same time saying, hey, we're only in this for as much money as we can. You never, ever, ever get afraid of making money if you're delivering far more value. I'll tell you something that I'm scared to tell you because it will be out there in public. (laughs) But every time I meet uh, with a new company and I'm going to do organizational alignment or executive (laughs) coaching, I go in, I sit down with the CFO and I say, hey, look me in the eyes. And that's really uncomfortable. You're not used to being told that, right? And I said, when I'm here, everything that I do, I need you to put an ROI on that. How much money did you make or how much money did you save? And if the amount of money that you're paying me is not a minimum of three X that amount, then I beg you to let me give you your money back. I said, because if I'm one-to-one, I have to advertise just like everyone else. Well, I don't advertise my executive coaching because I love my clients, I deliver for them. And last one I did, it was about 14X. And so they loved paying me and I loved getting paid and I charged them a lot of money, but everybody was happy. And so to me, where do I see leadership going? If you can keep that personal element in the midst of everything getting more and more systematized, you're going to win. If you can't, that's gonna be, then you're just part of the fray with everybody else. You're not gonna stand out from the crowd.
1: Mm, Definitely. So if you can stand out from the crowd, you can add value to your clients while at the same time helping them stay true to themselves. And Rob, thank you for being vulnerable with us, Dan, just sharing that story with us. I think that's really important. Leaders need to be vulnerable while at the same time, keeping the personal element amidst the systemizing of certain things going forward, things like AI and so forth, which is absolutely.
0: And don't be afraid of making money just add more value than the money you Yeah, making.
1: absolutely. And if you are adding value, I mean, it's really, so what happens if you, would you feel guilty if you if it cost you $25 and you're selling it for 20? I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> <that> doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, no. does it?
0: And what's funny is uh, for people who don't do this, all of a sudden they say, wow, you, you made a lot of money in your company. And in one of my companies, we open all of our books, all the finances to all of our employees. And I do that because that's the company where I'm training each of them to have their own businesses where they'll see how much money you're making. And I said, okay, now we're gonna take that money and we're gonna split that amongst four partners, okay? Now, every one of us have to pay all of our business taxes. Now we have to pay our personal taxes if we take that out. And all of a sudden they see, that's so much money you're making. And they say, oh my goodness, you're only making that amount and you're taking all of that Mm -hmm. risk. And it's like, welcome to business. And so if you're going to start your own business and do it right with integrity, you you need to learn these things.
1: Oh, I think that's fantastic that you're doing it. Because the thing is, is that a lot of people have this notion of, oh, I love to have my own business. And, you know, um, I grew up in the coffee industry and somebody said to me one day, Mm. oh, I love to have my own cafe. And I was like, oh, okay. so tell me more. Because, you know, it used to be in those days, $150,000 to start a, a cafe by the time you set it up and things like that. And they go, yes, I can go. And I said, well, what's your why? What's what sort of the drive for you to actually mm-hmm. do that? And they said, well, I could go and drop the kids off at school, 8.30. Then I can go and pick up again big 2 around 2.30, 3 o'clock. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Here, let me yeah, save you some not, that's not a- <laughs> No, exactly. Because <laughs> a cafe, you're there 4 a.m., 5 a.m. in the morning. You've got to get things ready before you open up at 7 and so forth. And if if, if that's not, if you're not willing to do that, that's Mm -hmm. not good for you. And I think that's what you're doing is really opening up people's eyes to understand in a good way or in a constructive way of what it means to run a business, what it means. And I think that's the other thing that we, you and I need to do in helping leaders is help them understand that it's okay not to be a leader if they don't want to be, because to sign up to leadership means something and it is really, really important, Mm -hmm. but I don't think everyone understands Mm -hmm. it. They fall into it by mistake. And I think we 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 have a responsibility as coaches, as developers of leaders, that we, they already understand that. So then they can be the best that they can be. Hey, Dr. Rob, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Easiest way is
0: Rob, R-O-B, at Leader Tribe, all one word, leadertribe.com. Also, if you look at leaderdrive.com, you can get to the 700 podcast episodes. I do a blog every week. All of that's free. I've never monetized any of it. I, I put together a ton of resources on there. You can download them all for free. And uh, again, that's just my way of giving back, which I love doing it. So that's probably the easiest way. And uh, if they hit me up there and they want to have a conversation, then I'll grab, give them my cell phone and we'll go from there.
1: Dr. Rob, thank you for that. And it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. So thank, thank you.
0: Well, Dennis, you're crushing it. I'm so uh, excited about your podcast and the way that you're changing lives around the world. It's truly an honor for me to be with you.
1: Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you have for my guests as I interview them, or you have a question for me on the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode once a week, then feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure having you joining us on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now.